Welcome back, guys. It is Kibbs from the Brothers Geek Out podcast. I've got another awesome episode for you guys, and I've got a special guest. I've got Rob on. Uh, we've known each other for a while now. We've been following each other for a... He's a, an amazing, amazing filmmaker, but he's a fan. He's a fan of Ghostbusters, and we're going to talk Ghostbusters. How you doing, bro? I'm doing pretty good. I'm actually uh, pretty excited since they released the trailer for uh, the new movie. Yes, so you've got a reaction recorded, haven't you? I do, I do. Okay, I've, so... never I've never done one before either, so it was like... Oh, I, interesting. We'll see how this goes, I mean, because I don't know how I'm going to, you know, it's like, I feel like you're supposed to, like, emote and, like, overreact, and I was, I'm not great. Uh, uh, not not really. You, you'd be fine, because, like, I think with reaction videos, a lot of it is kind of put on. I mean, with mine, it's the same thing, it's... Was I supposed to be excited for that moment or not? You know, it's it's one of those things, but I can react to something very differently to how somebody else would react to it. So uh, what I would say, if you send me that clip and then at the end of the podcast, guys, and that means you guys will have to go listen to this. Uh, sorry, you have to go watch this on the YouTube to see Rob's reaction to... I've ever done. Awesome. First one, that's an exclusive for us as well. Look at this. I've been absolutely blessed with loads of exclusives recently. Uh, but Rob's a filmmaker as well. You, you've been in it for a long time now. Like what what was it that drew you to to get into that path? Well, <laughs> that path started when I was literally two years old. So okay. uh, I saw the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater was E.T. Mm -hmm. uh, and I fell in love. It's my first like memory that I have of being a child. Like I was two years old. My mom took me to the theater to see it. I remember the smell of Ugh. the theater. I remember the, the way I felt, the sounds, the feel of the seat underneath my my behind, the whole thing. And I just I fell in love and and it just it transported. I was two years old. I mean, I can't, I can't even believe that I remember it, but I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And ever since I had wanted to do that, uh, to become a filmmaker, and I was a musician for better part of 15 years. I was a singer in a band and I produced bands. I had a modicum amount of success, a little bit of success with it. Um, and it just wasn't like fulfilling me. And mm -hmm. I was about to turn 33 and I had always wanted to be a filmmaker. It's something that I had like, you know, it was close to my heart. Like I could talk for hours about movies um, and just analyze and break them down and stuff. And uh, my best friend, Eric, uh, at the time, he was working in movies. He was a cinematographer. And he said, you know what, man? Just come with me. Come with me on some sets. I'll show you what's up. I'll show you how to, how to do it and, and what the deal is. And he did. And I, I, the bug bit me even harder. And I fell in love with it. And I started doing short films, doing music videos. Any time anyone would let me, you know, film anything, I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I just, I slowly built work and got, you know, a, a, a repertoire of stuff going. And then I was like, well, I want to make a movie. So I made my first film. It's called Long Way to the Top. Uh, it's about uh, being a musician. It was a documentary about being a musician and sort of like what it takes to like do it like as a mm -hmm. job. So it's mostly about the road. So I went on tour with a bunch of bands and followed them and filmed them. And then Red Bull picked that up. And now that's, you can see it on Red Bull TV. It's, it's there. Uh, and I've just been, uh, I've been, you know, in love with this ever since. And 
getting ready to make my next movie. I know it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And sounds like an amazing journey. I mean, going from, I mean, as a creative, we, we, we touch on different things, like the same thing for me. I think I stopped art for like 15, 16 years. And that was me at 16. I got into college. I discovered, uh, uh, the 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 bad sins of the world and I, I moved away from comic books and artwork which you know uh until I was 30 uh, but I I dabbled I I did photography I always did something creative it was photography production and music it was video make uh, video making and editing uh I, I learned a lot about kind of the film industry as well in that era as well but uh, I came back to art when I was about 30 and I, I, I uh, had a tragic moment in life, which I won't go over and went back to my mum's uh, and, you know, went, I was like, you kept all of my stuff. And she was like, of course, you. this is your stuff. And I found images and drawings that I did of when I was like 15, 16 years old of the X-Men. And I was like, yeah, I was an. Uh, this was amazing. I was like, how do I get this back? And, you know, I spent the next three days in mum's loft drawing. I, it all came back. I bought marker pens, paper, read more comic books in that moment, and it just kind of flooded back to me. And I, 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 for me, I bit the bug in that moment to to become an artist again in 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 physical, traditional, and digital art. That's that. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, that you bring up tragedy uh, setting you off in a direction. I think. I think it heals so much with creation and being able to like have control over something, right? Like when your world, when your world feels really chaotic and things are out of your control, the simple act of creating something gives you power back in a lot of, of course it makes you feel strong. It makes you feel like you can handle things because if you can control that one little thing in your life, like what else can you handle? And for me, uh, the movie that I'm about to make next, uh, it's been a long journey to get here. You're a part of it. Um, we'll talk about that if you want to a little bit. We can talk about some of it. Um, but that journey started in about 2016 to get this film mm. made. Because my first film, I sold it in 2015. I was getting ready to make my second film. And we were in pre-production. You know, for this, for the movie we're doing, um, it's it requires a lot of, like, work and a lot of research and stuff. So I knew it was going to be a few years journey until we got to the part we were filming. But we had started that journey in 2016. My cinematographer, Eric, my best friend, who, uh, who got me into filmmaking and believed in me when nobody else did, um, and said, dude, you can sing. Why do you want to change? Why do you want to jump into a different river right now? Like you're in this river and things are going great. He believed in me. And uh, during the process of pre-production for this next movie, um, he passed away uh, of a heart attack very suddenly at the age of 36 and uh it devastated my my world obviously we put the movie on hold and then COVID happened mm. so like so many things in my life were were out of control so I went back to my first love which was you know I went back to creating things and went back to, to making things and I fell back in love with Ghostbusters actually like in a really big way and video games too mm -hmm. oddly because that was something that he loved, but everything I do with my creative life is sort of in honor of him. Like it's the things that we, we talked about making for years that I'm, I'm going to do 
for the simple fact that he's not here to do it with me. So anything we've ever talked about doing, even if it sounded impossible, I'm mm. in the process and have been in the process of getting these things off the ground. So they're big, they're big mountains to climb, but you know, here we are. Now, bless you for, for, for sharing that moment and uh, losing someone, a brother is, is very hard. Uh, I still grieve over losing my best friend as well. And he would have loved to see all of the stuff that I've been up to as well. And I, I do a lot of it because we spoke about it when we were, when we were younger, I, I, I lost Nabil in my early thirties, you know, just as I came back into art again and we talked, he was a writer. So he, we, we, we talked about, you know, we were big, we, yeah, we had, he was a big fan of big trouble in little China and fantasy. And we loved, like, you know, we created our own characters based on what John Carpenter did and we were big fans. And I love that. And we, you know, I mean, uh, after uh, he passed, uh, it's the same thing. I, I I always think of him when I'm at a movie premiere or when I'm, I'm speaking to somebody that I'd never thought I'd speak to as, as, as an artist as well. You're, you, we've, 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 we've broadened ourselves in, in the things we do. Social media has helped with that as well, but I always think of him, you know, always think of him and yeah, it's a great honor, a great tribute. He'll be proud of you, dude. He'll be so proud of you. Honestly. Uh, I say that to myself. My wife tells me as well, when I have my moments that, you know, it, they're looking down and and then they're proud of us, bro. So I'm proud of you. That's uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, it's it's important to 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 remember that we're you know life is fragile. We're not here for a long time, and and time is the most precious commodity that we have. Of time. course, it's of course, of course, of course. Uh, oh man, I suppose <laughs> you listeners uh, will relate, and you know questions will be asked as well. And I'm I'm more than happy. As I said, reach out on your socials if 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 you if you if you're going through something and you want somebody to listen. If it's not me who responds, it'd be my brother who responds. We're we're big advocates of mental health, men's mental health as well. So do the best uh, we can uh, to to reach out there. But no, thank you for sharing that, Rob. That was absolutely uh, amazing. Uh, on 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 the kind of subject of bringing your love back into Ghostbusters and what the episode's about. Who was your favorite Ghostbuster and why do you resonate with that character? See, that's tough. That's a tough question. <laughs> I mean, they're all amazing for their different reasons, right? Yes. Um, I mean, all my friends grew up loving Peter Venkman because he was like mm -hmm. Ray, charming and stuff. Ray, Ray, I probably identified with the most, but Winston mm -hmm. and it, probably Ray, Ray and Winston and then I, close would be it's it's so tough like <laughs> that are all like i have in myself mm -hmm. and that i can see in myself in that but i think growing up like winston and ray i love mm -hmm. their relationship their friends their friendship ray was like this wide-eyed like dreamer winston you know was was just like the no bullshit like guy like who was like who was like you know he's great with cars and stuff yeah. he was a cool he was like to me Winston was the coolest of the Ghostbusters, in my opinion. He was the absolute coolest. He just all chill, like, yeah. like just like relaxed. Even in the, it always had great lines in like the, uh, the really uh, the the most tense situations. Like, you know, when someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> he's, he's the best man. He's the best. I, 
but he and Ray, and I think the big one, the biggest reason Ray too, and Dan Aykroyd for that matter, mm. is he up with all of that. And when I when I was growing up and, and found out that that like came from him and like mm-hmm. all of his ideas and seeing like the concept art and stuff, I just thought it was the coolest thing. Amazing, absolutely amazing. And and the thing is, I I learned that later on. Uh, about what Dan Aykroyd and his family tree line and all of that stuff. And it's like, oh my God, amazing how he 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 was able to bring that to this and how much it means to him as well. Like yeah, his, his grandfather was a, a paranormal and uh, specialist. Um, so it was like a family, a family business, which is funny because oh God, if I ever got a chance, if I ever got a chance to make a Ghostbusters film, oh. I have a real idea for a Ghostbusters film. <laughs> yes, that, he does. Tobin's spirit guide and mm. Ray's father. Like mm. I want to do, I want to do a thing that's a, like almost like a tribute to Ackroyd's dad, where mm-hmm. uh, uh, or to Ackroyd's grandfather, where where I have basically Ray's father ghostwriting the book that will become Tobin's spirit guide on the last night of John Horse Tobin's life. So it, it it's cool. It's like it deals with like time travel and you know dark. You know, Cthulhu like gods coming back. Evo Shandor is in it. Like I'm deep into the lore, so like I. That's love amazing. Uh, Extreme Ghostbusters, I think, is highly underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. Was amazing. I'm glad yes. to see that the new movie looks like it's taking some inspiration from the real Ghostbusters. Yes, that's that. I I, I felt that as well. Uh, I mean, what did you think? I mean, you work on a franchise like this and what they did with Afterlife, like uh, I've never seen like so many grown men sobbing a cinema screen before in my life. But it, I was I was one of them uh, and I was proud to be one of them because uh, I just felt like it respected uh, the, the originals uh, and didn't really take because we, we had the Ghostbusters where I felt like they got the piss. Uh, they, somebody they, they had taken the piss out of the characters that I truly adore, and I understand that. I understand yeah. that. I'm actually yeah. I'm a I'm a 2016 apologist. Uh, <laughs> at the time when it came out, for me at the time when it came out, um, my niece uh, who uh, is on the spectrum, she 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 has autism, mm-hmm. and or she's autistic, uh, and she she that was something she got interested in was Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. It was something I could go take her to see and everything. And the fact that it was all women, I was like, yeah. oh, this is, this is empowering. I like this. Obviously the movie wasn't perfect. It had, it's, it had lots of problems. Uh, it's not, it's not a perfect film. So no, 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 no. Hands down. It's not, it's a, it's a watch, but I just felt like they messed with, for me personally, it was the law, as you said. Yeah. I don't think they needed to create a new universe. They could have no. just had, set of ghostbusters that's right I think that bugged me the most uh or they could have you know i always thought you know if they're trying to do the real ghostbusters it would be interesting if there was some kind of plot thread at the end where there was like this is the ghostbusters from another dimension like our guys are still out there but there's some kind of cross rip that happens i always thought it would be interesting like if at some point Several Ghostbusters in several neighboring dimensions cross the streams at the same time. If it somehow created a shatter in the barrier that made all three universes come together at once, I thought it would be cool to see like the cartoon versions, 
2016 and our, our original guys all like merged. They did something like that in the comics um, where they all kind of like merged together and like had an adventure together. But I always kind of in my heart of hearts, I was like, well, you know, just because they made this doesn't take away that I had Ghostbusters 1 and 2. This is, some, this is someone else's new version of what Ghostbusters is who had no idea what it was before. So, like, I got to respect that. It's, it wasn't for me necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought, you know, parts of it were funny. Um, plus, we got the first shades of Chris Hemsworth being funny. Like, yes, he that's right. That's right. Yet. So, like, maybe some of what happened there led to what we got in, you know, Thor Ragnarok and stuff. So True. Very true. Very true. We, Very true. We can, he can carry a comedy. He can do comedy. Yes. Yeah, definitely, definitely, without a doubt. But Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, like, for me, you know, knocked it out of the park. It's a movie I've seen several times. Uh, great tribute at the end. And it's not that. I, I continuously go online just to watch that last scene again because of how it how it made me feel. Because it, as much as it was emotional, it, it still brought the kid out of me. There's a... There's a certain magic that movies can do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of arguments about bringing people who have passed away back in films and things like that. I honestly think Ghostbusters Afterlife did it in a way that was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. They had the complete permission of the family. It mm. wasn't bringing back Harold Ramis. It was bringing back the character of Egon Spengler. That's right. So there yeah. was a very diversion in that regard. And it was like, it was so, you know, you know when you, you wish for things as a kid so hard, like, <laughs> and it's wish, like, I don't know, you could meet the Ghostbusters or something, like something silly like that, right? That moment felt like a wish granted. Mm -hmm. It really 100%. did. It really did. It really did. For, fan, for us as fans, for, you know, as a tribute to Harold, I mean, I'll be honest with you, uh, famous people, when they pass away, it usually doesn't emotionally affect me very deeply. It doesn't, like, hit me really hard, but I was living in Chicago at the mm. time when Amos passed away and I burst out into tears. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't figure out why I grew up, you know, single family or single, single mother, you know, raised me and my twin sister. You know, I didn't mm. have a dad. And in some ways, like the art that I grew up with, the comic books, the movies, that was those characters that I looked up to were like father figures to me. Mm -hmm. He was someone even outside of the movies, like uh, the characters that he played. I, admired uh you know i admired his skill as a writer i admired his skill as a director I yes as a he just he was a he and he just seemed like such a genuine person like a really good guy you know it's a there's always the, there's something that a lot of my friends are always like and i <laughs> it's this is funny because i they're like you always put a dark spin on things but i i always tell people it's like being in this business i meet a lot of famous people and i meet a lot of people who've been doing this for a long time and a lot of them you know some of them are nice you know, but a lot of them, they've had to work really hard to get where they get, you know, they have to step on a couple of heads to get there. And, you know, that's not the type of person I am. But mm. every now and again, there'll be a celebrity that'll be like the exception to the rule. Tom yeah. Hanks is one of them. Michael J. Fox is one of them. Oh, my God. He's, he's Mark Hamill. I met yeah. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill was probably the nicest person I have ever met in my entire life. He was at, it was at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic Book Convention. He was there promoting the documentary, did, uh, his comic book, the movie it was called. Yeah, yeah. It was a slow documentary about co the comic book world. All the great voiceover actors were in it, like, and stuff. And uh, he was doing a, a, a panel signing 
for it. So he was, you know, not going to be at the table the whole time. I was just up next in line and he was, his handler was about to take him away. And I was like, Mark, please, please. I waited my whole life. Can you wait one second? He was like, he did this to his, the, he said, he turned to his, his assistant. He was like, hold on one second. He said, come on over. And he took 20 minutes, sat and talked with me, took pictures oh, with me, oh, oh, laughed. He was like, he was the most gracious human being you could ever imagine. Like he oh, truly was. Amazing, amazing experience, it's amazing experience. All are true about that. He is, he is in fact the most proudest man to be remembered as Luke Skywalker. He really <laughs> Absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. I, I, I had a similar experience with uh, Michael J. Fox uh, 30th anniversary of Back to the Future. So I'm, I'm a massive Back to the Future fan. That is my go-to. And uh, I remember they said that they were going to do the 30th anniversary here in the UK at Comic-Con. Uh, as I go to the website to buy the tickets, the website had crashed. It was overloaded because everybody wants to meet Marty McFly. Uh, I was very upset. I couldn't get tickets. I checked on other websites. People were selling them for extortionate pricing. I... Ended up leaving it, and two weeks before the event was happening, I said I'll still go to the event, so I bought tickets for that, uh, and I'll get to meet all the rest of the cast, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Tom Wilson, uh, Leah Thompson, get to meet the rest of the cast, uh, just not Mikey. And then a friend called me, actually a friend of a friend called me, and this is how the universe works, and he called me and said, listen, I, I saw the drawing uh, cartoon that you did for the 30th anniversary for Back to the Future, uh, how would you like to hand that to Michael J. Fox? And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, I've uh, we've, we've got a panel. We're going to talk, but I thought it'd be nice for you to meet him because I, I've seen how much of a fan you are. Oh I don't God. I don't know this. It was a friend of a friend. I did not know. I've, I've only met him once or twice in my life. And he gave me that opportunity. And it was, uh, it was, it was surreal. And Michael J. Fox that day, must have saw close to five five thousand people. Comic, as you know, comic cons are so busy. That particular day was so busy, and to to give me the ten minutes he gave me, uh, and then after he was like, "You're gonna get the photo in the Delor in the Delorean with me," and I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening!" And it was like uh, everybody at that show was calling him Marty. I was the only one that called him Michael, and he was like. Thank you for treating me like a human because some people just don't know that my name is actually Michael and it's not mine. <laughs> and I, but that was just because of the respect I had. <laughs> the Frighteners, the Frighteners, when he kept saying Doc, that's one of the greatest stories ever. He's like supposed to say Judge and he's like, Doc! Like, Doc. So bless him. And you know, he, he, unbelievable. Uh, I spent the whole day there and, you know, getting to meet the cast. And there are, as you said, there are amazing people. Like, um, as you said, there are people that are, they, they go beyond. And MJ is one of them for me. And, uh, yeah, that was that was a great moment. But that must have been amazing with Mark Kemmel. That was must have been absolutely insane. It really was. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't – I'll always be a Star Wars fan of the original mm -hmm. Like, I mean – I grew, I was born in 79. I grew mm -hmm. up with Star Wars. Like, yeah. Was a part of my, my life. Back to the Future as well. I mean, I actually think it's interesting how lucky I would say we are for having grown up 
with some of these just such great, amazing franchises before franchises were like a thing. Yeah, right? that's right. And that's right. Trilogies were not the norm, right? No. Like, no. So it was like, you know, these types of multiple movie films, we were sort of at the birth of it for what it's become, you know, not like the serials from the 40s or the 50s, you know, that, that kind of thing. This was something where it was like, these were big budget movies. These weren't throwaway kids films. Um, you know, back to Ghostbusters, though. I yes. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, he is the people's, he's the people's, the people's hero. Like, he just is. He's another one that, like, he will take the time mm. and like, he'll go out of his way to give you a good experience. Like, he really does. And it's good to see him finally getting the due he deserves in the franchise. Oh, yeah, of course. Definitely, um, definitely. I uh, don't know this, but he was treated very poorly for the first mm. two during the premiere of the uh, of the first one, he wasn't even in the premiere. They made him go outside and dress up as a Ghostbuster and hang out with the fans. It was they treated him pretty pretty unfavorably, and it's, so it's, to see him become in this new movie and even see him back with a proton pack on, which is oh god, it's just like respects absolute respect, absolute respect. I've been trying to meet Ernie for a while. Uh, he keeps canceling. Please come back to the UK. Uh, definitely want to geek out with him. They were there filming in your neck of the woods. Literally, they made Ghostbusters Frozen Empire there. I know, I know, I know. They, they've used the studios here, and it was like, he tried. I know he tried to do some of the cons, but I know that the times clash and he had to cancel. But I bought his ticket every time. So, Ernie, if you ever listen to this, I bought your ticket every time. And I, I didn't want the refund. I just wanted to meet you, dude. <laughs> but uh, with the, with, with the, the, the 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 love you have for this franchise like when did you start like getting into building that beautiful piece of machinery behind you like that is insanely amazing and you know i think it's it's an art in itself to create and put things together i mean tell me a little bit about it dude really is actually um well this is actually the second one i built my first one okay was the first one I built was a spirit pack. Uh, it was a spirit of Halloween pack that I heavily, heavily modified. Um, there's a there's a blogging uh, channel called Ghostbusters News in the community here. Um, they featured it on their site. It now lives with my nephew. He is also a Ghostbuster. He's a ghost head now. Uh, awesome. I'm about to just, he's turning, I think he's turning 13, 14, 13. And he's, he's, a, he's growing quickly. So he's already six foot tall. I was like, dude, I got a flight suit for you. I already have one. He's the same height as me. Like, I was like, I got you. I got you covered. This is the second one that I built. This one's called, that first one was called Frankie. This mm. one's called Ebar. And because uh, it's really, really heavy. Um, <laughs> it's very heavy. But <clears throat> um, it is kind of an artwork. I got into doing this during COVID, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was, I was, I was, I had a surgery last year on my spine. Um, so getting ready for that, I got, it became like my bonsai, it became my, my meditative thing. And I had sort of like spent all this time planning it out. I worked with different, uh, vendors to get parts. And, uh, actually this shell was made in the UK. This is by a guy, um, from a place called Ben of Kent. Ah. Uh, he, he did the shell and I've got some bits and bobs on here as well from a couple other UK vendors, uh, proton props. Uh, did my uh, my straps and my spacers, 
he's uh, this guy named David. He's he's amazing, and his friend Toby, uh, who's another uh, guy who does Wertheimer Hardware. He made my uh, some of my electronic stuff. So actually, this thing this thing comes from like kind of pieces all over the world. Like something I fabricated myself. Some of it was stuff that I uh, pre prefab kit, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, that I bought. But some of like the electronics are all from Greece by a guy named Ninja Tunes. <laughs> Like it's it's crazy. There's this community of of people, and it's funny because I haven't been on Facebook for years, and I rejoined just to part, be a part of the Facebook groups, so yeah. I could be a part of the builder groups, like and and you know learn how to do this. And I've seen I've learned so much about these props, like how the evolution of the prop, like I, so much. In fact, so much. In fact, that I now am the proud owner. <laughs> Of a proton pack tattooed right here on my forearm for the beautiful watching. Uh, this is actually proton props. This is uh, David from the UK. This is his design of the Phoebe pack um, that I had my tattoo artist here in Ohio do. Ever since building these things, it's like my favorite thing. I actually have a YouTube series that I'm developing right now. Awesome. That we're going to focus on building proton packs and props from the Ghostbusters movies. It's called the Bench 84. And uh, I'm doing it with my good friend Anthony Zart, who uh, is the art director for both Ghostbusters documentaries, uh, the uh, Cleaning Up the Town and the one that they're working on right now called Too Hot to Handle, uh, remembering Ghostbusters 2. Uh, actually, also another UK connection. The director and producer of those movie that those movies are from the UK. That's uh, Anthony and Claire Bueno, brother and sister team from the UK. Um, but we are going to be doing that, and we're doing it with a good uh, a good builder buddy of mine, Tom Morris from Positron. Uh, he makes uh, the shells. He's designed. We're going to be building a Winston pack. Um, nice. We're going to do like basically. So this one is sort of like a. A compilation of all of the packs from all mm-hmm. the different there's screen accuracy bits from different movies in here so like the straps i have we call them the super straps to like extra padded uh straps for the proton pack to kind of help my back and stuff like that but you know give me a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, comfort when i'm wearing these things but he is uh currently working on the shell and we're going to do like a a compilation pack of, of little bits from every movie uh, that were on Winston's packs and we're going to do a, a YouTube show about it. And we're going to feature other builders and makers from the community on the show. I want to have like a really nice, well-produced uh, television show. Sort of like what Adam Savage does, but very Ghostbusters focused. Yeah. 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 That's, that's absolutely awesome. Oh guys, look at that. You're hearing more exclusives. I can't wait to share this channel. Uh, super excited. And, and it's an amazing, it's amazing how, because like it's it's beautiful like it looks stunning dude like some people like when speaking to Jeff Rowe and 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 talking to him about how uh, messy art can be and how you translate art into uh, onto the big screen for me when I see the proton pack it speaks to me on different levels because it's not just the intricate designs the details like that you're like talking about minute details that represent something on a proton pack, which is, oh, it's just insane, dude. It's super nerdy. It's super nerdy. There's a a gentleman named Stuart Thompson. 
Um, I believe he's also UK based. I'll tell you what, the UK, you have got a massive community of Ghostbusters in the UK. Yes, we do. There was an event, um, I, I had a t-shirt sent to me. There was an event at one of the cons recently. They did a big meetup called Cross the Streams. That's right. And they sent me one of the shirts. Oh, uh, listen. I swear to God, some of the guy he has, so Stuart Thompson has a website called the Ghostbusters Reference Library, where mm -hmm. it's literally detailed photographs of all the props, the suits. Uh, the suit I'm wearing is made by a, a maker who makes a ton of stuff. Uh, Magnolia Clothiers, they do uh, Back to the Future stuff. You can actually get the uh, hologram mm, from, yeah. from them. He makes these suits. Um, it's just, there's one of the greatest things about being a part of any fandom is getting into the maker community of the fandom. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Like, the skill and the talent that some of these people have. It's amazing some of them aren't working on films. I have a friend uh, who uh, is with the Central Oklahoma Ghostbusters. He built a, uh, a Phoebe pack for Logan Kim uh, from, from uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife because he didn't get to wear a pack in the movie. So there's a podcast called the Yes Have Some Podcast that commissioned him to make him a Phoebe pack. When I tell you this thing looks better than the one that they had in the movie. I'm like, I tell them all the time, his name's Austin Young. I tell them all the time, I'm like, dude, how are you not making packs for these movies? You're so good. He was one of the, like, the, at, speaking of packs, the, the mm. new movie has designs for the packs with the with the new Cyclotron bumper and yes. a couple other things. He's already built one. He's already <laughs> built one. Looks exactly like it does in the trailer. I'm like, dude, how are you not working on these movies? It blows my mind the amount of talent and and love that there is in in fandoms and the maker communities. I found people that have become my best friends. From no, that's amazing. It's it's the best. It's I love it. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, your dreams probably to have a DeLorean. <laughs> I'm still I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that. But yeah, as you said, the community. I think the community play a big part to any of the fandom. I know. I realized like the back to the future community, you know, the, they, they welcome you in. It's, it's beautiful, regardless of what fandom you're from and what you enjoy. You, you make best friends out of it. The cosplay community, like, oh, wow. Me. When I did star Wars and it was my first cosplay after like 15 years, you know, that uncomfortable feeling of, am I in the right place and how everybody welcomed me. And my 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 Anakin suit was something I just bought off Amazon for like forty quid, and I I, I didn't know if it was going to be right. But I have a really cool lightsaber, and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. I've got an I've got an uh, Luke Skywalker lightsaber. I was like, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go with the lightsaber. I've, I haven't done it in so long. I'm I'm forty two years old, and how do I feel? And, and everybody embraced me, dude. And you know. I, Again, for me, it was an emotional moment. Like, uh, I, I think I cried at the con because I didn't realize, you know, when somebody says, can we take a picture with you? And a lot of people knew that I added kicks to the Nike Air Jordans to the Jedi suit. They were like, you put a bit of yourself into it, which is absolutely yeah. amazing. Uh, yes. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's the community, man. They, they play such a big positive part to the, to the fandom. And I think that's why we... It's, it's just love. I love it. It's, it's, yeah. Something that when you were younger, people made fun of you for. And then you mm -hmm. go to these places. I'm 45 now. And it's like, I go to these things and I do these like, 
these different events and stuff dressed up as a Ghostbuster. And it feels so good. The joy, the pure joy that you see in people's faces. Yeah. When the, the, the first time I dressed up as a Ghostbuster was for uh, a filmmaker. It was a, the film, a film community Halloween party. The commission that we have here that like is the liaison for all the productions coming through town. Um, put on a Halloween party and I, I dressed up and it was, I had my spirit pack on it. I even dyed my hair green to look like it was slimed. Uh, we were standing by the bar and there was a group of guys coming out of the kitchen like dishwashers and stuff and they I saw them as they they saw me so I saw that look as they looked up and it was like you know regular face too (laughs) and then the fingers come up pointing and then they start dancing you know ghostbusters and it's like that it's it's like such a it's such a human connection moment because it's so beautiful. It, it's like, it makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. It's a bright spot in both of your day. And it's like, you don't know what someone else has been dealing with or exactly. There's, there's, I love all the groups that the cosplay groups that dress up and go to hospitals. I wish I was able to do that. Oh, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. Amazing. It's, absolutely amazing. It's the power of imagination and the power of creativity and the power of story and the power of sharing a love for those things man, I swear to God, we wouldn't have half the problems in the world if we all just went, hey, you like Batman, I like Superman. Oh my God, we like the same things. Like think of all the conflicts that are happening in the world right now. If they could just stop, sit down, sit in Ian style on the ground, you know, cross their legs and just go and just say, you know, hey, I like Superman. Do you like Superman? You know, just let us all be kids for a minute because all we are is just kids and grown up bodies. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Of course, my wife says the same thing, and it's it's, uh, it's so true. It's so true because uh, we connect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what you're talking about the cosplay community? Because you brought up a story a couple of years ago, just before COVID. I went to a comic con, and there was a guy. So I'm a big fan of uh, the late '80s and '90s manga when it came out. So Akira, Fist of the North Star. So Fist of the North Star. There's a character called Lord Jaggy, which was Kenshiro's younger brother uh, who betrayed him. Uh, very cool post-apocalyptic Mad Max type of look. And yeah. I've never seen anybody cosplay any anime characters from my era. I've seen Akira, but not Fist of the North Star. Fist of the North Star did something to me. This guy cosplayed as Lord Jaggy. And when I came up to him, he goes, you are the first person in the con to know who this character is. I think I sat with him for two hours and we exchanged details. We took photos. We talked about Fist of North Star. We're still friends to this day. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. It made That's his day. Made his day. You know, it's so funny. And I've heard people say this before. If the world could all just go to a Comic-Con for a day <laughs> and just intermix, like you'd realize that like we're all pretty, we're all, we're all the same. We're all nerds. Yeah, exactly. You know, we love our geeky little things that we love and stuff. And it, you should be proud of it. We're, like, oh, yeah. Be proud of who you are, no matter what you are, who you are. Like, be proud of who you are. Wear that proudly. You yeah, know? Exactly. It's, it's just, it, I don't understand why people want to put people down for loving something or being who they are. It makes no sense to me. Zero sense. Mm. Zero no, sense. No, of course. I, to- I totally agree with you, dude. I, uh, and this is a deeper conversation we can get into, and which what which I will definitely have Rob back on the Brothers Geek Out podcast because uh, 
we've, <laughs> we've got we've got so much in common and plus we've got projects on guys we've got, we've got projects and like we've got something and like i'm we're gonna wait because i'm gonna tease you guys because it'll be because it'll be the best way to get you guys back to the channel because be like kibler said that he's working on the project what do we we want to know so yes you get teases towards the, the the beginning of next year but for now i think it'll be awesome to kind of keep a secret uh i'm actually been working on several projects and uh recently got involved into this boxing movie speaking to a cosplayer who talked about uh actually it's a movie inspired by a podcast i had with a cosplayer who uses boxing to help his mental health uh he Almost committed suicide. He started boxing, which revitalized his life, but he he still had a struggle in between that. But how he used how he used boxing with mental health. But it was inspired. A director saw that episode. He wrote a script. He sent it to the guy. The guy's an actor. A year I later, we're making a film. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. I, you know, this community brings people together. I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. Yeah, it involves Cleveland. That's all. <laughs> it involves Cleveland, and Kip was Kip's going to travel abroad. So uh, that's that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'll say. But we've worked out. Amazing. It's yeah, no, it is a big deal. It's a massive deal. Uh, it's still an unreal, unreal moment for me because you know, as you said, we're kids that live in adult bodies. Uh, get into like we've embraced uh, pop culture and and things that we love. It's become a part of my life, my life, my DNA, my family, and every everything I do for work. It it still revolves of those fundamental things that I absolutely love and adore, and it's it's got us to a point now where it's like I'm actually getting to do a lot of things that I love now, and that I can transcend that to my kids and tell them, you could do all the stuff that you love and enjoy now, as an adult. Just be who you are. Let it let, let it out there. Be proud of who you are. Love the <laughs> love the things you love. Do what you do, and the things will find you. Mm -hmm. Out there, and you're brave enough to say, "Hey, I love this," or "I I stand with this," or "I am this person." People who are like you will find you, mm -hmm. and you will be a part of a community. And that community could be end up becoming a huge part of your whole life. You know, and and it's like, I just. I, I can't state it enough. I just think dreaming is the most important thing in this world. I think mm. dreaming is the absolute most important thing. It's how everything that exists became something. It started as an idea in somebody's head. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Rob, what a pleasure, man. And it's always nice to catch up with you. But properly kind of talk about this stuff is it's inspiring to hear uh, – and uh, with 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 as you said, with all uh, the craziness that is happening, that we uh, I I I have some sort of peace in as you said, what I'm proud of, what I love, and what I enjoy. Uh, but I do have another question for you, dude. Sure. Yeah. So with Ghostbusters, it has a mixed bag of like comedy, horror, supernatural elements. What was the aspect that grabbed you? I think what grabbed me was the fact that these guys were like normal dudes and they were up against incredible odds. As a kid, I was scared of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Foster sort of gave me the permission to be brave. 
And Harold Ramis did an interview about this once and talked about how when Ghostbusters came out, they had gotten a lot of letters from child psychologists saying that this movie and this cartoon is giving kids bravery. They sleep with their proton, their little plastic proton pack, and they feel like they can take on anything. That's you know, amazing. like they put that little uniform on, you see that logo on your shoulder, and it's like you're official, you can handle this. Hmm. And I think that was something that connected with me. It was the fact that these guys could have been me, even, mm -hmm. you know, like a grown up or a lot of the grown ups I, I saw around me, you know, it's like, that looks like, you know, my dad's friend, you know, kind of thing. Like it's, they, they seemed like normal guys and they were able to overcome insurmountable odds. And I love that. I always love those kinds of course. Of course. It's, it's a great, it's a great ensemble of characters that are everyday guys and go through everyday things but yet get to do these crazy supernatural awesome things and bravery comes along with that because Winston was on a journey in that movie as well because he's jump he's the he out of all of them he's not the scientist he's the ordinary guy coming for looking for a job and he's like you know I'll do it but he has some key moments in both movies where <laughs> Papa fish out of water moments where he's like oh my god i can't believe this is happening he's the audience he's he says what the audience is thinking and i love that i always love that about him like you're damn right i feel exactly the same way like that was it just ever i think it's a perfect storm that movie's a perfect storm of talent it, was a perfect it is storm of, of writing and creativity and you know bill murray at the peak of B Bill, Bill Murray-ness, you know, I mean, he just, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I, even though Venkman was not my favorite, he still is a classic character. Truly, of course, truly. yeah, definitely, 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 he's, uh, uh, each of them have something that they carry that represents us, and he's, as you said, the, the charming ladies' man with, <laughs> with, 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 with some incredible charm. Uh, and he plays it so well. I mean, Bill Murray, as you said, he was at his peak. He has some amazing one-liners in that film that still make me laugh to this day. And, and his re reactions are awesome. They came off the top of his head. That's top amazing. Of the script. He threw out. He improvises fifty percent of that movie. That's, That's not even amazing. A, they did a. They did a. Uh, they did a table reading. Uh, you know, sometimes they do these for charity. Mm -hmm. Like they'll get actors to do a table reading. It was like Seth Rogen and a bunch of the Apatow people did a table reading of Ghostbusters 84 and they were like half the dialogue from the actual movie isn't even in the script because they were just improvising. That's how, how like, how at the top of their game those guys were and coming from, you know, second city and all these improv troops and stuff mm. to be able to just do that. And it was like the perfect, it was the perfect idea. I still think to this day, the smartest thing they ever did was make it, approachable from the from the point of view of these guys are basically like plumbers you yeah, know, yeah. They're, exactly they're not, cops, they're not like there's no violence involved right yeah, these yeah. Things like weapons they look like tools yeah, and I, yeah, love, yeah. I love that they don't that they're not that's weapons. that's that's amazing that you've approached it in that way because it's it, it just grounds it yeah and it totally. grounds the characters yeah, it just grounds them, and and as you, oh man, you put it that in such a perfect way that we would just call them. They're plumbers, they're emergency service, you know. 
that's why I love the new Proton Packs. The new Proton yes. Packs with yellow bits, it's like it's safety equipment. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't feel like it's a gun. It doesn't no, feel no. Like threatening. I no. love heroes that don't need guns to, like, do what they need to do. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy John Wick. Those, the absolute amazing choreography. Dread is one of my favorite movies. Like, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I love that kind of stuff. But, like, my favorite kind of heroes are the ones that don't use guns. No, the ones that of course. Train and their skills and the tools. Yes. The tools and the talent. <laughs> it's so important. Tools and talent is so important. It's so important. Uh, okay, I've got one more question, and this one's a bit different. So if you could assemble your own team of Ghostbusters with fictional characters from other franchises, Ooh. who would you choose and why? God, that's a good question. Well, I think the, the first and most obvious one would be Doc Brown. Doc okay, Brown. cool. I would put him as like <laughs> science on the team. Um, I think Ian Malcolm would also make a good Ghostbuster. <laughs> Very um, cool. <laughs> I think he would make like a good Vanquany Ghostbuster kind of kind of vibes. I like that. Um, let me think here. You know. Just because I always wanted Eddie Murphy in a Ghostbusters movie, like we were promised, I would like to see Axel Foley from Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, being a- what? <laughs> that would be really funny. I just think it'd be funny to see Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. Be like, yes, definitely, without a doubt. Um, and then one more. Let me think. Oh, that's tough. Um, God, fictional character from another movie. This is you ask you ask. Sorry, bro. You asked an amazing question. Um, I want to give somebody good here. You know what? The mom from Poltergeist, Joe Beth Williams. Oh wow. She'd be really good. I think she would be really good, and it would balance out the team a little bit. I think she would be interesting, or even Zelda from from Ghostbuster from Poltergeist. (laughs) She'd be really funny, I feel like, in that. Um, this house is clean. Um, <laughs> just off the top of my head, purely, although I think Quint from Jaws, as, as an honorary member, Quint from Jaws would make a good Ghostbuster as well. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go outside of the box here. On these which, is, which is amazing. I had, uh, I had Jack Burton on that list. <laughs> I could imagine Jack Burton on that list. Uh, that's just he the would- dynamics of it. He would make an amazing Ghostbuster. He would make, so would uh, yeah, absolutely. Kurt Russell to me it is good in anything he's in. He is, there's, he a rumor, is. there's a rumor. There's a rumor. There's a rumor that he is playing Jonathan Kent in Superman Legacy, and I got to tell you, I think that's perfect casting. The only other person I would cast for Jonathan Kent would be Dennis Quaid. Oh, that's one I had in my mind as well, and and. That... But Kurt Russell, oh my, I can see it. I can see him as Park Kent. I, I can so see it. I know, right? And like him, like lean, like that iconic shot from the comic books where he's leaning against the fence with Park when he's grown up and they're sharing stories. That bit, I could see oh that. Oh my like, god! There, I could see some like Superman for all season stuff there. Oh, that's gonna be insane, dude. Uh, Absolutely. James, 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 James is a visionary. 
I've been lucky enough to speak to him during uh, before the promotions of Peacemaker. I think he's great with characters. He's a character type of guy. I've loved everything he's done. So I think he's going to be absolutely amazing. And I want him to direct a Ghostbusters one day. <laughs> I want to see Edgar Wright make a Ghostbusters movie. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. That would be actually really good. That he would is, be. He is my favorite director living right now. Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright and Jordan Peele are my two favorite living directors right now. Absolutely Better. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely Edgar amazing. Everything he makes is absolutely brilliant. Scott Pilgrim is an underrated piece of Oh, art. so underrated. And it's not even that. It's the elements of anime and manga that he brought into that as well. You know, it was something... It, we don't get much of it because we do live in a world of franchises. And I know, I know there's all this madness going on with, you know, uh, the Marvels and all the rest of it and MCU and DC and stuff like that. But I just feel like originality... Like he he brings that to the table, and he oh, did yeah. that with Scott Pilgrim. Like you know, it was insanely good. And you know what, with what Gareth Andrews did with 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 the creator, uh, is not been it's another movie. But I, for me personally, when I did see it, it's an original. It was an original good movie and a great concept. Uh, I, I really am. I love Ghostbusters. I mean, that's my franchise. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the last franchises they can still do original things in because yes. there's no, there's no like lore that they have to necessarily like adhere no. to. There's the comic books, but there's a very small group of people who've read the IDW comic books and stuff, mm. and the Dark Horse stuff. So like, there's they can kind of go wherever they want with that, and I, I like. Of that. course, of course. I love all this. I love new original like everything everywhere all at once oh, like, oh. that movie we need more movies like that yes give please me, yes please like give me yes, more please. stuff that's so far outside of the box i want the weird dreams that kids have in their heads i want to see that stuff i've done film camps with kids and the story <laughs> they come up with i swear to god like they come up with the weirdest stuff it is the best and that to me is one of those the, the daniels like they captured the essence of imagination as a child through an adult lens. Like oh, yeah, they, of course. they took something that was very like out there and wild and seemed crazy. And they grounded such a family story that we can all relate to. Right. So good. So that good. generational trauma of living the same, of having it hard and not, and wanting, you know, Oh God, it's so good. So good. Dude. Again, another movie that made me come out of the cinema absolutely in tears, but not just See, because, the, how good the story was written and and how we related to the story it was the creativity the the visuals the the mm-hmm. acting the return of key oh my god like just it's good right like, so good. It, it, it's like eating a good four course meal versus a pop tart that's that seeing a good film or reading a good book or reading a great graphic novel or or admiring a beautiful painting or listening to an amazing song like it's the difference between pop, pop, pop stuff and, and, and product is the difference mm. between pop tart and a four course meal. Of it's course. Like, oh, it's movie. Beautiful. Every bit you're gonna wanna you want leftovers of that. Like you're gonna go back and watch <laughs> it again. You know, it's like that's the I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that type of thing in franchise films. And I know James Gunn uh, was talking about the fact that like 
they want to have more individual visions instead mm-hmm. of a piece of universe. Of course. Something that's more focused on each individual film and the vision behind the filmmaker for that film than just throwing out some big continuity thing. You don't need right? to. You don't need to. Uh, oh, no, you really don't. You don't. We don't. We don't. To this place where, listen, I love Marvel and I enjoy the stories that they tell, but it's kind of putting us in this place where everything has to be connected. It mm. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. No. It's, like, it's like Werewolf by Night. Yes! Yes! Oh my God. Like, give me more of that stuff because it's not connected and I will absolutely adore it. It's recently on Disney Plus with In Color. I still love black and white, though. But black and white. Yeah. amazing, beautiful, absolutely amazing. Give me, give me that. Yeah. Give me that all day long. Weird, wonderful, and creative. And it doesn't need to be connected. And I adore that to this day. You know, the two favorite products that came out from last year, Halloween, was Werewolf by Night and Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like, I absolutely adore. And it's stuff like that. I'd, I'd love, I, I want to see the weird and wonderful, man. And, yes. you know, A- A24 as an independent company is starting to bring out more stuff as well and more create things. Uh, and I'm glad they are because it's it's the movies that I'd stand by because you know the whale was amazing. Brendan Fraser's performance in that was insane. Uh, that and movie, the, oh, gut punch. Yeah, of course, definitely. Gut but punch. it's just just great writing, great acting. I want I want to be taken away, dude. And those movies took me away. And but everything oh, all man. at once just gave me everything I love in one place. Tell me a story that quiets my mind that's what i want tell me a story that like takes removes all distraction engage me in a way that i i can't not pay attention i can't put my phone down and and silence it i want to be exactly of my attention and all the stuff that we're talking about does that it really Uh truly does there was one movie that was i don't know that it's this high of art but that was a streaming film that I, I just, I feel like I have to mention because a lot of people go for it. The Adam Project. Did you oh, see that? Oh, dude. Uh, Shane, uh, director Shane Levy? Uh, Sean Levy. Sean Levy. No, yeah. Sean Levy. Sean Levy. Yes. Yeah, dude. Cool. Yep. It was one of those movies that like kind of hit on all the things I loved as a kid, but felt fresh. Yeah, definitely. Fresh. Definitely. Uh, and, very, very and, good take fantasy, science fiction, all in one. It's it's movies like, uh, you know, The Last Starfighter, uh, Labyrinth, uh, Never Ending Story. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about The Explorers. You, it's, he had those elements in a movie. All my favorite movies, like right there. The Last Starfighter is, I, I'll be honest with you, I like it more than Star Wars. I do. It's and a it's great film. That story, the kid from a trailer park, like it's so different than anything I saw in that era. It has those elements of like copying Star Wars, but it's more of a King Arthur story. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Story, right? Definitely, definitely, definitely. It's the music man in it, Centauri. (laughs) Rylos, my boy. Like, I love that. I absolutely adore that movie. And it was a great movie. By Michael Myers himself, Nick Castle. The guy who played the shape in the original Halloween directed that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's a great it's, film. And he had those in, in the Adam Project. He had 
that feel of I felt like the feel of eighties and like early nineties movie making magic in that yeah. moment. A lot of flight of the navigator. Um, like the feelings I would get from the time travel aspect of that movie. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's it, right. The script was very well written. There it was, was a very well written sci-fi script. And if you haven't, if anyone hasn't seen it, we highly recommend the Adam Project. Go check it. Go. You have to watch it. The Adam Project was brilliant. So good. Uh, Fly the Navigator. Oh my god! Another one with a great soundtrack. Oof. Dude, you brought up Explorers. Explorers, oh, is dude, man, that's like Ethan Hawke's first movie, I think. It is. It is his first movie. Yeah. It's his it first a- movie. Yeah, yeah. River Phoenix as well. Yes, that's right. River Phoenix. Ah, oh, great. That's a great. I still watch that to this day, dude. Like, I we have a movie. We have a movie club that we do, and yeah. uh, I loved that and made that made everybody watch. And they were like. How did we not? This is like, did Stranger Things like rip off a bunch of stuff in this? Like, I was like, <laughs> a lot of movies from the 1980s that they definitely pulled from for Stranger Things. This of course, is, yeah. that's one like, of them. Exactly, that's exactly one of them. Oh God, another good, another good one um, from the 80s. My Science Project. Oh my uh, God, Stevens. Oh my God, totally underrated. Hopper. It's a classic, absolute classic. Like weird premise. I need to come up with a science project for school the next day for my hippie teacher played by Dennis Hopper. Let's go to an Air Force graveyard and get an alien motor. They find an alien like engine for a ship and it like turns their high school into a time portal. Dude, like, come on. Such a creative. Oh my God. Such I, I swear to God, the B movies of the 80s shaped my entire taste for what i like it was like choose your own adventure books 80s movies like it was just the weirdest wildest stuff and i am not a person who is a proponent of drugs but i swear to god i think it was the cocaine all that cocaine like i think just let people go yeah i'll give you money for that insane idea like it was just a bunch of people who had a lot of money and they were just blowing it like crazy and creatives took advantage of it good for oh, them it's insane <laughs> absolutely insane you know what, Rob? I gotta get you back on the show again. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna. Yeah, we've 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 got so much in common, and we've got a, a, a history of cinema that we could talk about because it's it's nice because a lot of the times I I I talk to people about movies like Explorers, like you're probably one of five people that remember that. It's an amazing. It's so genre defying. It's like. Part sci-fi adventure, part comedy. It's got yeah. a little bit of drama. It's a coming-of-age film, and then yeah. it's got an aspect of Looney Tunes to it. Like yeah. it, amazing. the alien designs in that movie so are cool, incredible. Joe so Dante, cool. my favorite directors. He directed Gremlins. That's what people. Yes, are. that's right. Yes, familiar of it with him. With I might, dude. We could probably have a whole separate podcast that's just about eighties. About Dude, you know what? You've just sparked another idea because me and my brother have been talking about we we do retro trailer reactions. We used to do that. But oh, we that's to, we, we we used to react to old trailers and be like, okay, some of it worked, some of it didn't. But we we wanted to run an episode where we talk specifically about that one movie for an hour or two to to explore it, to talk about it and why we loved it and what it meant to us. We we start in the first episode. So it'd be called, uh, it's, it's, it's a tribute to, to Labyrinth. Uh, that was a film that my dad introduced to us. And 
you know, uh, me, us as a family, I think we all adore that movie because whenever we all sit together and if we say let's put on a movie, we put on Labyrinth. So it's one of those one of those moments, key moments for us. If not, if if we are sitting with dad, it's the good, bad and ugly. He's a he's a big spaghetti Western fan. Uh, and I adore that movie as well. I, I, I love the visuals. The visuals in that film is just, you know, insanely good. Like like everything that we see now is just lifted from all those beautiful movies that came out in that era. And it's amazing to see it you know, being inspired for new movie makers moving forward to take inspiration from those films. And uh, it's amazing. But Rob, honestly, massive, massive pleasure. And thank you for, for, for coming on to the, to, to the episode. And, and, and where, can we, where can the lovely people find you, dude, and, and follow your journey? You can pretty much follow me the most is on Instagram at Late Morning Films. Uh, that's where I pretty much post most of my stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's my website, latemorningfilms.com. It's got a lot of my work up there. And if people go to the website, they'll figure out what we're working on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not that hard to figure out, but um, but uh, that's where they can find me. And uh, they'll be seeing me in the future doing some stuff with you and some of your uh, UK uh, geeky cohorts as well. Oh, yes, definitely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Definitely. Definitely. I'm actually meeting one of them now. So we've got uh, <clears throat> we've been invited to. So Park Row is the, the Gotham based uh, restaurant that they have in the UK. So they've created a new uh, kind of section to it. It's called the Iceberg Lounge. So it's based on the Penguins. Yeah. So, so tonight's like one of their grand openings. So I'm going to run down there. So check it out on, on online, guys. I'll have it up on my Instagram page as well and all our other socials, but uh, it should be interesting. It's like a sushi bar. So That's awesome. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of sushi, so that worked out perfectly for me. So that should be good. That's great. No, definitely. But uh, Rob, again, massive, massive thank you for coming onto the channel. Uh, we've got more to talk about. And, uh, and yes, guys, keep an eye. If you do go to the website, <laughs> you will see what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So go check it out, honestly. Uh, and guys, again, as as always, a, a massive, massive, massive thank you from me and my brother for the support on the channel, for the support on social media platforms. Uh, I get to do stuff that I absolutely love and adore, and it's because of you guys. Uh, recently on Spotify, since they've opened up Q&As and their polls, you guys have been engaging immensely, and I'm, and I'm going to apologize now if I haven't got back to your message. I will get to it. Uh, it's it's quite hard when you're hearing, you know, when you when you see 300 messages and you're like, oh wow, like I I need to actually put through it. So I will get to your messages. Uh, but as always, me and my brother are always grateful. Rob, thank you for coming on to the show. And uh, guys, uh, be safe, be well, look after one another, be excellent to each other, and we'll catch you up on the next episode. One love, peace.